0: Gunshot shattered the silence, then fell mute on the echoless morass. I was too cold, I imagined, for my nerves to know the pain of puncture.
1: This is Right Here, Right Now, a podcast brought to you by Vocal, an online platform for creators of all kinds and levels of experience. It's a place to post, to read, to be inspired. I'm your host, Erica Wagner. This season, we'll be diving into a sequence of fictional worlds. Each of the stories you'll hear is a winner of the Vocal Plus Fiction Awards, all to be published next year in partnership with Unbound, the crowdfunded publisher. Out of more than 13,000 submissions, these terrific 25 were chosen. We know you'll love them as much as we do. Now, sit back and listen in. Maybe one of these stories will inspire one of your own. You might have heard of family hunting stories before, but nothing like this. Jacqueline Garahan will take us on a journey to the heart of Maine in the dead of night. This is Bull by Jacqueline Garahan.
0: bull. Those antlers mounted there, with the bullet puncture between the skull's eye sockets, are familiar. I must decline your invitation. You see, I went out hunting once already, 23 years ago. Back then I'd lived with an uncle named Roger, but I didn't call him that. Only uncle. Uncle was a blatant drunk, though I doubted alcohol was his principal ailment and suspected it secondary to some deeper affliction. The man was plagued by unshakable fixations, launching relentless campaigns that were followed by dark, sedentary stretches when he'd neither eat nor work, only drink to sleep. The two of us lived in Bremen, Maine, just west of friendship in a three-room house, ramshackled by time, dilapidated by uncle. The damp salt wind had corroded, then broken its iron nails, skewing the weather-gray shingles and streak-staining them orange with rust. Existence was bleak and prospects bleaker. I was miserable, except for loving a tricolor beagle, a merry little thing, my exclusive source of joy, and, in retrospect, by virtue of her pedigree, clearly stolen. As far as I could reason, Uncle's unsteady occupation was handiwork, and he reserved most of his efforts for his sparse employers. Every once in a while, though, It was occasioned to a sudden energetic spell when he'd undertake some domestic project, excel through a fraction, then lose all momentum to whiskey and slumber, gifting us with two front stairs out of three, a waist-high stone fireplace, and a hole above in the shake shingle roof. Uncle had grand plans for that fireplace. And what would go above? Several years earlier, the state of Maine instituted a sham lottery for moose hunt licenses that obviously favored the summer seasonals venturing north a final time before the state frosted. Some came for our technicolor foliage, but others came for our beasts. Bear, elk, moose. Trophy satisfied, those viral representatives of the Second Estate returned quickly to unfrozen Boston society while the ice crystals crept across our blood brined marshes. Uncle was at the butcher's when one such party returned. The season was late and the bull was colossal. It took ten men to drag the creature onto the wagon. The hunter, a retired capitalist with weak shoulders and faux machismo, surrendered the bulk of the animal, requesting only a sampler from various parts of the flank, rib, and breast. And, of course, the antlers. He'd already settled on the wall space in his main hall for the mount. A cousin recommended some taxidermists back in Cambridge so he He required only the animal's decapitation from the butcher before his party loaded the skull into a brand new trailer and took off south. A rigged system deserves no respect, Uncle told me. Well, we ate venison that night. I was a child, and I didn't understand. Not the ways of wealth, the laurels of status, nor obsessed men haunted from the inside out but the meat was plentiful. Even the dog got scraps. Uncle dreamed of the moose for the next year's entirety. The righteous subversion pinballed inside his mangled mind towards a singular aspiration. Antlers mounted on our wall above some hypothetical fireplace for which we hardly had the space. He delayed construction and "'till the inopportune turn of the seasons, "'selling our wood stove before completion "'and welcoming the October evening chill "'through a tarped tear in the ceiling. "'Uncle never thought of the chill, only of the antlers, "'how he'd mount them, what screws they'd require, "'whether the bones should be sealed with polyurethane. "'The morning we went out, Uncle woke me playfully.' His tarp had faltered. Beneath the fall snow and the sleet landed on our already warped floorboards. Uncle pointed from our off-kilter door to the forest edge through the snowfall, dying into cascading slush. Moose weather, he called it. Tonight's the night, moose weather. Few others would agree, but that evening... We bundled into everything we owned, every pant pair, every sweater, into unpatched jackets, then slung rifle shoulder cross. Uncle tucked our serrated knife into his only button pocket and slid his 44 caliber into his waistband. We went into the forest. The autumn snowstorm ended a few hours before we went out. Us and the dog. We combed the snow gessoed forest, scoping the low-lying swamps and timber-skirted openings. Pine limbs sagged beneath heavy flakes, whose melt pounded the floor in cacophony, those violent puddles momentarily reflecting the sunset cerulean and crimson, before its orb slipped the horizon and dusk-dropped. Rendering all murky. With every step, the forest floor dampened beneath my thin, soled shoes. Along my heel, toes, and soles, skin lifted. Fluid bubbled between, and the skin popped along bloated ridges. I winced at the ruptures, subsequent rawness, compounding pain, and eventually gasped. Uncle hit me for it. Dark fell. No light but the mounting gibbous whose rays shadowed the fearsome forest with darting demons and writhing wraiths. Right there, Uncle whispered. His pupils pinpricks even in the dark. Right up there. After a measurable time, we reached the forest's end. A strong line against the salt marsh, a step further. Momentarily, I imagined he'd turn, but Uncle descended the sludgy embankment, peat to ankles, into the water. The uneven marsh dipped and welled. Testing the quagmire, I stumbled and sank, numb legs, unfeeling of the feel barnacle scrape. Uncle, too far ahead for physical castigation, looked back in reproach at the sloshing, And I preemptively recoiled. Without warning, several minutes in, Uncle stopped, framed by the lunar corona whose moonbeams were diffracted by the slush mist into a bullseye. I froze. So did the dog. Uncle took the gun from his waistband, cocked, turned, and paused, looking out towards the ocean. Sunken sockets and hooked nose silhouetted, gun-scoping, wind-wisped clouds as it bobbed on its elbow-propped forearm. His shoulders squared, his profile disappeared. A moonbeam brushed the steel barrel, pointed in my direction. The gunshot shattered the silence, then fell mute on the echoless morass. I was too cold, I imagined, for my nerves to know the pain of puncture. While I waited to die into the marshy sludge, a great beast wavered behind me. I hadn't seen it. The dog hadn't barked, but the moose had been out there, ten yards away, and when the creature fell, the earth shook in its entirety. Every molecule, every atom, every particle trembling. My own included. Uncle waited over. He'd hit it right between the eyes. The moose was propped by gnarled antler. Neck above brackish waterline, like a coastal granite outcrop, bony obtrusions clawing the night sky. Uncle hugged me in celebration, then went to work on the neck, sawing with the dull serrated blade he'd brought for the occasion. He ordered me to the skull to pull the antlers forward and taut the throat. But I made little difference as I stood at the helm, staring into the animal's dead eyes, cataract white bulbs bulging from furry sockets. The corpse offered relief from the cold. I tucked my body beneath the bull's chin. Braced thus, I slipped, and Uncle kicked my flank, catching the water's surface with his boot and spraying the beast, too, before he went back to work. Blade hardly punctured Hyde, but Uncle persisted. Those antlers were his to claim. Frenzied, he sawed, shearing muscle and tissue to only an inch in the first half hour. Then he stabbed, Blade buckling against the bull's esophagus. I watch from the skull, feigning pressure on the antler's crepey, springtime cover, which sloughed from the bone beneath my palms. In marshes, you can't track the tidal creep the way you might on a beach. The water climbs in unmarked centimeters, lacking the drama and crescendo of advancing surf as it falls slowly into shifting moon-stretched contours. I only noticed the tides advance when the dog lost its footing. She yipped and swam, seeking out some foothold, and aimed to mount the carcass. But Uncle swatted her away, and so she sought ground at a wider radius, then regretted abandoning her small, cruel pack and doubled back, yipping, begging us to follow. She clawed my legs and I looked down, her massive ears floating like paddles and her desperate little nose bubbling the water. I lifted her into my arms and Uncle grabbed me by the hair. He pinned me to the bull's stomach and held the gory tissue-wrapped blade an inch from my throat. I'm sorry, I begged. I'm sorry. I dropped her. Uncle returned to the neck and watched me back to the antlers. After a while, the yipping stopped. Clouds blew in and covered the moon. The marsh leached the dead creature's warmth. Soon, the water was at my waist, and soon after, my shoulder. The rifle on my shoulder heavied in the swell, seeking out the marsh bottom. I fell into a divot and submerged, depth dragged by the rifle before I found a grassy island and breached, gasping. Give that to me, Uncle seized the barrel. Next, the waterline grazed my chin. Then I couldn't stand. I'm hardly a swimmer, I treaded, searching out some platform, but infirm mounds disintegrated beneath my feet, and so I begged brine spewing from my mouth, please, let me go back. Uncle cocked the gun. Don't you fucking leave. I swear to God, I'll shoot you if you try to fucking leave. Despite the protests, his own resolve was failing. The water crept above the moose's gargantuan neck, and the submerged sawing turned clumsy and fumbling. He dropped the knife. Fuck! Uncle cursed, rocking with rage. Fuck! Fuck! pushed my bobbing head below water, so my lungs nearly faltered. Death a minute away, fireworks exploded across my dark, damp world, red and orange and green and magenta, dancing, then dissolving with a gasp and breath, an oxygen rush white out, fading to static and black. Ahead, Uncle charged through the marsh towards the shore. I treaded behind, fast as I might, jaunty flails impersonating stroke. Just before the bank, I brushed something. Furry. The right size. Dead. Maybe the dog made it out. Maybe she didn't. It was impossible to say in the dark. I crawled to shore, palming the slick vegetation and slipping back twice. Before pulling my torso over, I don't remember the return walk, but for the conviction I was dying, possessed by an unprecedented and never since matched cold. My jaw chattered so violently that my three remaining baby teeth chipped. Up ahead, far enough to guess he'd forgotten me, Uncle vowed to return the deaf evergreens. I'll be back tomorrow! I'll be back. At home, Uncle fell into a long slumber. I lay naked beneath my blankets, on thawing, then wrapped myself and sat on the wet lawn beneath the budding dawn light. Uncle woke the next afternoon, only a few hours of sun remaining, so we went out again Still damp after attempting to dry our clothes beside the unfinished hearth, and this time with a borrowed saw. On the quag fringe, I smelled the twinge of decomposition in the breeze, and the corpse was there, rising from the middle of the rot rank marsh, decapitated. Someone had sawed through clean. Scarlet brown oozed from his severed esophagus and maggots somersaulted in the cavity. Uncle's antlers were gone, stolen he'd say, taken along with their bullet-breached skull that I assumed, once debrained and macerated, must have resembled yours.
1: was Bull by Jacqueline Garrahan. What a relief to know that our narrator makes it out of that situation in one piece. We have Garahan's frame story to thank for that. Next time, the journey will be one back through time, through memory. That will be The Envious Flood by Steve Hansen. To read an interview with this creator or any of the others from this season, head to vocal.media. There, you'll also find a wealth of other work to entice you. Perhaps you'll submit a story of your own. Whoever you are, whatever your story, Vocal belongs to you. If you like the show, come be a part of where it all got started. Join me and the rest of our creators on Vocal. We hope you'll join our community where you can post, read, and comment. Pre-order your copy of the anthology at vocal.media or at unbound.com. You might also want to check out Unbound's brilliant podcast, Backlisted. If you haven't had the chance, take a listen to season one of Right Here, Right Now. We hear eight essays from eight authors, then get the chance to hear interviews with the authors themselves. And of course, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to Right Here, Right Now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Erica Wagner. Thanks for listening. Right Here, Right Now is produced by Vocal in partnership with Pod People. Special thanks to our production team, Jacob Fromer, Andrew Hurwitz, and Maya bernstein Shallot, and the team at Pod People. Rachel King, Matt Sav, Amy Machado, Ashton Carter, Rebecca Chasson, and Carter Wogan.